interest really came alive when I was pregnant with my daughter. And it was also when that apple and snicker salad became popular. You know what I'm talking about? And you wonder how I remember this? Oh, yes. It's because it has been linked to my memory forever and that I would lust over Pinterest food. And that's where I found the recipe. So the other day I was thinking about this idea and I don't even know if I can call it the movement or the hashtag or the title quote unquote food porn. Now I know you've heard it and you know, I'm just curious. I started thinking about it. Like when did that become a reality? When did food porn become an accepted verbiage? And because we know porn is linked to a a word that's not necessarily, it's very controversial, shall we say, but you can go ahead and on any social media platform, and even Google for that matter, and type in the words food porn and find umpteen million hits. In fact, the first hit on Google is a Wikipedia page for me, maybe not you, but for me it was a Wikipedia page. Can you believe it? Like it even has its own Wikipedia page. I feel like you've made it if you have a Wikipedia page. So clearly food porn is a thing. Now, so I went ahead and clicked on it because I'm like, well, what could Wikipedia have to say about that? And it says, Food porn is a glamorized visual presentation of cooking or eating in advertisements, infomercials, blogs, cooking shows, or other visual media. Food porn often takes the form of food photography and styling that presents food provocatively in a similar way to glamour photography or pornographic photography. So it is exactly what we think it is. It is a glamorizing or pornographic image or visual of food. Wow. That's a whole heck of a lot of strong verbiage toward the way food is presented. In fact, it is presented as if it is pornography. Think about pornography with me for a minute. While some contest that it can be part of a healthy sex life, science, doctors, and any person who has struggled or loved someone who struggled with pornography can attest that pornography is pure harm. Pornography creates this fantasy world in which you aren't 50 or 100 plus pounds overweight. Your hair is, you know, you have hair where it doesn't belong. It's gross. You're not sucking at work. You're not feeling terrible about yourself. You're lusted after. You're an object that someone can love and even more, someone can find pleasure in you. You who feels gross, you who sucks at work, you who feels terrible about yourself, you who has hair where hair doesn't belong, someone can lust after you. You're an object and essentially you lose yourself for instant gratification. You lose yourself. You lose your ability to perform healthy sexual moments with your spouse and even more. There are physical and physiological ramifications of pornography. No one just watches porn. There has to be an act that follows, the finishing act. The goal of pornography is to get that climax. And then after that climax, which is most times self-induced, if you catch my drift, and not in a loving or holy manner, nor out of pure motivation. And then a guilt and shame cycle starts. I said that this is a physiological ramif- or that there is a physiological ramification to this. And what happens is because of this fantasy world that you must have a, like after you engage yourself in regular pornography, sexual pornography, you begin needing more and more and more stimulation that your partner cannot provide. 
But just like pornography is the explicit sexualization and fantasy of the human body, we're doing that with our food too. Normalizing pornography or hashtag food porn is enabling a fantasy world that cannot harm us as long as it looks beautiful. It must in turn make me look beautiful or it must make me boost my ego or etc. Sometimes it isn't even beautiful foods or plates that are glorified. Have you ever seen someone cast iron with some cast iron skillets on the stove and there's a picture, like full on picture this, that there is some fresh lard and some chicken pieces. Can you smell that grease? Can you hear that crackling and that sizzling of when you put that first piece of chicken in that? Do you have an experience maybe that makes you salivate because you know the glory of that hot piece of fresh chicken when it hits your mouth and it just leaves a tiny bit of grease on those lips? Yeah, maybe you're not a savory fried person. Maybe you have an similar, a similar response when there's some sort of fancy dessert shown or some kind of fancy alcoholic beverage. We have an imagery when we think of the, de- of the desserts, it's usually this food porn. It's like in the context of women having mom's night out or women's night out or girl's night out, however you want to say it. Or it's in the context of I've had a hard week and I deserve this with a, with a fancy alcoholic drink. Or we equate relaxation on the beach with this fancy alcoholic drink that has a cute umbrella. We have glorified and created a fantasy world around food and drink. And so getting back to this Pinterest thing, I want to um, I wanted to simply take a look at a recipe that I pulled up about something that recently, and I say recently in the, in the recent year, um, that has been glamorized and as healthy and beautiful, and that's overnight oats. <laughs> I can't believe I'm even saying overnight oats. You know that stuff that the rolled oats that are in that tall container and the bottom of grandma's shelf and have always been there, those are now being glorified. So when we get on Pinterest and we search for overnight oats and we get through that author's whole life story and we scroll down to the bottom where the actual ingredients and directions are and we find the real story. This specific example that I have um, is vanilla overnight oats. The ingredients are a third a cup of plain Greek yogurt, one half cup of heaping rolled oats, two third cup of almond breeze original milk, one tablespoon of chia seeds, a half teaspoon of vanilla, two tablespoons of honey. And what I see here is we have this beautiful cup. It is a glass cup and it is, has a cute little orange rim around the outside and it looks like everything is healthy. I'm seeing, you know, um, what are they called? Uh, buzzwords of chia seeds, almond milk, rolled oats, Greek yogurt, honey, like all this stuff is kind of, they're kind of like buzzwords. And they're used in health contexts. When shoved together, we think, oh, we're making even better of a choice. We're shoving all this good, healthy stuff together. Nothing can be wrong with that. Well, just the plain Greek yogurt is 66 calories. The heaping rolled oats. Now, I didn't do heaping, but heaping could be, you know, give or take 20, 30, 40 calories, depending on what your heaping looks like. But just a half cup, plain half cup of rolled oats is 160 calories. You have your milk, and let's be real, who really measures their milk on a regular basis, is 60 calories 
chia seeds for one tablespoon, one tablespoon of chia seeds is 70 calories. Vanilla doesn't, you know, vanilla extract doesn't have any. Then you have your two tablespoons of honey. We think of honey as the healthier sugar or the, you know, it's so much healthier. And while I agree that there are healthy properties in honey, two tablespoons is 120 calories or 34 grams of carbs. All that together, if measured properly, is 476 calories or broken down 46 grams of carbs, 16 grams of fat. I mean, I'm sorry, 16 grams of protein and 13 grams of fat. Now, 476 calories doesn't seem bad for a meal. And I would 100% agree with that. 476 calories is a great portion for a meal. And while I believe no food is good or bad, this food is highly unbalanced and will leave the person who eats it feeling hungry or less than satisfied because of that imbalance. So when we look a little deeper, 46 grams of carbs isn't necessarily bad, but it's not in balance with protein. We'd like to ideally have a higher protein than the 16 grams it offers for breakfast because that uh, that protein will keep us satisfied and nourished longer. Carbs are our body's preferred way to get energy. So I'm going to go into some science detail about this and why, you know, why carbs are not good or bad, why protein's not good or bad, and why fats are not good or bad. In fact, I will give you both sides of the story, okay? Our bodies love to use carbs to perform a lot of its tasks. When you think about going to the hospital and they put an IV in your arm, what, are, what nutrient do they give us? Do they shove fat in the IV? Do they shove protein in the IV? No, they shove glucose, which is carb. Why? Because it gives your body the instant energy it needs to perform the basic functions that help support that. But we need a balance of where we get our energy from, though. Because if we only carbs, we won't be satisfied long. It will just go straight through us. We won't feel like we've had enough to eat. In fact, I could argue that those of us who struggle with overeating are overfed and undernourished, which is why our bodies think we're still hungry because we're malnourishing ourselves. Vegetables and fruits are carbs. Yes, so are breads and pastas and things of of those sort, cookies and cupcakes and all that. Those are pizza. Those things are carbs. That's true. But fruit and vegetables are also carbs. They provide you the micronutrients or what we know as minerals and vitamins and electrolytes. That's where we get it from when we talk about nourishing our bodies. Carbs also help keep the gut healthy too by providing soluble and insoluble fiber and keeping our digestive systems moving properly. Anyone that tells you you don't need carbs to live, well, I'm pretty sure they're completely wrong. Uh, Protein though is where we get sustained energy at the cellular level. Every single cell in your body at the basis is a protein. Our bodies need protein from the foods we eat to build and maintain bones and muscles and skin. And protein is literally the basic component of living cells and is made of amino acids. Now, you could say, well, how much protein do I need? Well, that that varies and is is as unique as who you are, your lifestyle, your stage of life, how old you are. But if you aren't getting adequate protein in, You're likely feeling less energetic throughout the day and reaching for a coffee or you're reaching for snacks and candy in the afternoon. You could be losing muscle mass. You could find yourself plopping on the couch or plopping down on the toilet. You're likely struggling to stay satiated and feel the need to snack often 
if you are low in protein for the day or for the week or for years. Now, we get our calories from three, well, four sources, but three sources. We've talked about carbs. Carbs are four calories per gram of carbs. Protein are four calories per grams of protein. So you get that's two out of the four places we get our calories. The third one is alcohol. And I'm not going to talk about that right now. But alcohol per gram is seven calories per gram of alcohol. That's why when we drink alcohol, we do not um, track it or look at it as whatever the barcode says on the back of the, the alcohol. We don't look at it that way because the calories are a little bit different and we digest them a little bit differently. So the last way that we get calories, the way we get calories comes from fat. Fats are essential to our health because fat supports a number of our body's functions, such as being a source of energy and an energy reserve. I use the hospital IV for an example of carbs, but this time I'll use an example of those, you know, people on the survival shows. And even in our old literature that we've read or we should have read, if you're at a loss of food, like if you're experiencing loss of food and you're in a survival mode, and I'm not talking current Western culture. I'm talking about if you are literally like on those survival shows where you have to catch, hunt, there's no Kroger, there's no Whole Foods, there's no grocery stores, there's no neighbor next door, there's no Aldi. Literally, if you are trying to survive and you don't have money in the, and you're in the wild or what have you, what do you think you should eat? Well, we've, we've watched it. The people that choose nuts or berries... They died and left the show quickly. They died (laughs) or left the show quickly because they ran out of enough fast energy of those carbs too fast and they had not enough carbohydrate energy or not enough resources to eat the berries and the greens, et cetera, to survive. Those that chose to eat the meat of an animal. So think about when you kill a squirrel. And I know we've seen it on the TV shows. You kill a squirrel, you skin it, you take the fat off and you're left with very lean meat. Now, those that chose to eat the lean meat, the lean protein, they lasted a little longer than those that chose to eat the greens, but they too have had to bow out early. But those who chose to eat fat, so killing an animal, eating the fat and the protein or just the fat, they were able to stay warm longer, have sustained energy all day long, and able to deal with the high stress situations when they arose. Now, fat is nine calories per gram. It is the highest cost in our macronutrients. But because it's the highest cost, I don't want you to think that we have to eat low fat. But I also don't want you to go to the extreme that we should live off fat either. I realize there is a dieting mentality out there right now that that says as such that high fat is the way to go. High fat, low carb, low protein is the way to go. But there currently is not enough research, nor is that form of dieting sustainable. In fact, if you have epilepsy, it is meant for that, for epilepsy. It is meant for epilepsy. And you should be working with a doctor and a nutrition team. And that, yes, is is a great fit for that reason to be dieting in that way. But fats, while needed in a modern society, we don't need a ton of it. We don't need, or we do need enough for our body, our lifestyle, and our stage of life, and our goals to maintain health. Fat actually is used to help us absorb fat-soluble vitamins throughout the body. So think about all the micronutrients I was talking about in the carbohydrates. We need fat to help absorb some of those vitamins and minerals throughout that. We need need to be provided essential fatty acids like omega-3s, which can help reduce inflammation. 
Fat helps provide insulation. Well, most of us don't need the extra insulation. It can help and it, is, and it does do that. It supports our, supports our organs, our internal organs. But especially as a human being with hormones, fat helps make our hormones stay balanced. So if we are too high, too low, this whole idea is balanced, a balanced reality. We, all st- we started this talking about pornography. And then we moved into talking about this recipe for a glorified, fantastic overnight oats. In this recipe that I gave you, I think I said it was 40, um, 46 grams of carbs. This recipe, the carbs are handled for you. It's what I would call a carb recipe or a carb food because it doesn't have enough protein or fat in it to be considered one or the other. The carbs are so much higher than the fats. The carbs are so much higher than the protein. So it is a carb. Now, this recipe is great. If you have this recipe, if you just cut this recipe in half, it would be a great side item to your breakfast. Just add some Canadian bacon, some vegetables, some egg whites, some eggs, something like that to make it more sustainable and more balanced. But because this is a food porn type of situation, we idealize or fantasize about how cool we will look when we post our breakfast on social media, or even when we talk about overnight oats. And I can't say it without laughing that the fact that grandma's oats are now a glorified fantasy thing. But we fantasize that eating overnight oats while trendy are actually not healthy on their own nor balanced. This recipe isn't meant to be a full meal. In fact, it is meant to be a side item, but also not a side item to your coffee cup with 120 plus calories of creamer and sugar that you might put in it. So I want you to remember that health does not equate to weight loss, a certain look, a certain recipe, a lifestyle, or the fact that you're going to look or behave or have the life of someone that eats that. Okay. Health is though, in fact, a balanced state in all areas of our life where we are flourishing, where all areas, meaning our blood work, our mobility, our functional fitness, our relationships, our jobs, our kids, our spiritual life, so much, every aspect of our life is flourishing. I also want you to think about too, the second part of this, this picture that I kind of gave you of this Pinterest and porn thing and this, this um, overnight oats. These oats were served or made, I guess, in these rec jars, W-R-E-K or C-K. I'm not sure exactly how it's spelled. These jars are as um, trendy as they come, I guess. But with trendiness, sometimes comes cost. And they are insanely expensive. If I was still an active duty family, that would discourage me that my jars didn't look like that. And I know how stupid and trivial that sounds. And I'm even cringing as I'm saying it. But my overnight oats would never be able to measure up to Pinterest. Because I didn't I couldn't afford those jars. All that to say, addictions to food, sex, sex can literally be having the compulsion to um, commit adultery or have sex with multiple partners. It can also encompass pornography addiction, addictions to food, sex, alcohol, and cocaine, all four of these things hit the same pleasure receptor in our brain. It gives us that high. It sends the good feelings throughout the body and we want more. And we're constantly seeking that first bite, 
that first lusty orgasm, that first relaxing drink, or that first spurt of energy, that high energy and focus that you can get from cocaine. If you struggle with food, sex, alcohol, or some kind of cocaine type of drug, I guarantee you, you will struggle with one or more of those other things. And yet we glorify it. We glorify it by calling it hashtag porn. I fell for this too. I fell for the food porn lust too. I used to scroll Pinterest in search of recipes and these pictures created a fantasy world for me. One that I'll never live up to, whether it was the decoration pictures that inevitably snuck their way in or how to educate my kids better or how to make the perfect family photos or food that took 6,000 ingredients and I for sure didn't want to make that time to cook that insane recipe. Pinterest created a porn-like experience for me. It gave hope that I could be and that I could exhibit all that those pictures showed. But I was let down and spiraled into that guilt and shame cycle because I could never measure up to Pinterest. My life and my four walls didn't look like those four walls on that screen in front of me. My food didn't look that good, nor did it make me look as good as that woman holding that dish. In due time, though, I had to break up with Pinterest. It was causing so much more harm than inspiration for me. Maybe you have some fantasy in your life that you need to break up with. It could be Pinterest like it was for me, but maybe it's your favorite free pornography site. Women, listen closely because I'm speaking to you too. The rise in women's porn use has risen starkly since the great 2020 quarantine and COVID season. Maybe it is a relationship that you think is, is one way, but it really isn't healthy, or maybe it really isn't what you think. Maybe it's your wishy-washy decision-making or wishy-washy priorities. Maybe you need to break up with who you think you are versus who you really are. Or maybe a better way to say it would be, maybe you need to break up with the life you fantasize about living And actually do the work it takes to face your reality and live your real life. Sometimes breaking up with the fantasy is the beginning of living the life you've been given. subscribe or download and rate this podcast at five stars. Thank you.